So Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35. And Jesus went out uh, about the cities and villages preaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sick, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for our church. And Lord, I pray that you encourage our hearts as we emphasize this month of missions to need both home and abroad. Lord, we need laborers. The mission field is white, Lord. It's not without its difficulties, but Lord, we look to you to provide. Move in our hearts in a great way. Lord, if we will give you our heart, you'll have everything else. Lord, I pray you watch over us. Give us a great service this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. The harvest has not become any less plentiful than in the day of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, if anything, the harvest has gotten greater because there's more people now than ever before. Uh, there's just so many people who need to know about Jesus. And the reality is the laborers are few. They were few in Jesus' day and they're few today, without a doubt. And we need to be praying, church family, praying uh, for the harvest. We need to be praying for laborers in the harvest. And this whole month of uh, March, we're going to be emphasizing that. And, you know, the one of the ways our church and, and many other independent Baptist churches uh, reaffirms or renews their commitment to missions, to get excited about it, uh, to pray for the harvest, uh, to pray and, and to give towards it. it the, the missions conference really focuses it in. And it's a time to really contemplate and pray about what the Lord would have us to do. Now, uh, in the past, the Legacy Baptist Church or MIBC uh, would have a, a missions conference and we would do maybe Wednesday to a Sunday or Thursday to Sunday, whatever the case. Uh, this year we're going to do a little bit different. Uh, we're going to do it for the whole month. Every Sunday we'll emphasize upon it. And uh, next uh, tonight, actually, Brother Bianchi is going to be here. He's one of our missionaries and he's going to preach for us. And the exciting part, we get to see the whole work of missions this evening. So he's one of our missionaries, and he's going to baptize someone from his church tonight. So, I mean, that's wonderful uh, to see just uh, it unfolding. And he's a close missionary, uh, but he's still reaching folks uh, in the east side of Toronto, which is wonderful. And then a little later in the month, uh, the Kroger family is going to be with us. They're going to Bolivia. Uh, and uh, they're, they're going to reach uh, Mennonites in Bolivia. That's their main focus and then, and then uh, later on in the month, we're going to have Brother Marowelli with us. He's another one of our missionaries, and uh, he's going to be with us. And uh, we're going to have something special that weekend. This is going to be the last weekend of March. Uh, on the Saturday, uh, from 11.30 to 1.30, uh, on a Saturday, Brother Marowelli is going to talk to us about the whole work of translation. His ministry he works with has just started a school of Bible translation. And I thought it was a very interesting thing. And I asked them to give us a session on that. And then we're going to have soup and sandwiches here with us, the whole church family, whoever can be here. And we'll get the chance to spend some time with our brother Merrowelli and ask some questions if we like. Uh, and the idea is that I'll be preaching about missions as this month as well. And just to encourage our hearts about the need. It's massive. It's, it is massive. Our church currently supports 31 missionaries and ministries 
Uh, we have missionaries from coast to coast in Canada. Uh, our own, one of our own, uh, Brother Camps and his family in Holland. We have missionaries in Liberia, China, two couples in Indonesia, Thailand, Canary Islands, the Philippines, the Middle East, Mexico, two families in St. Lucia, Japan, Dominican Republic, and Ireland. And then there's other ministries we support that are involved with uh, printing Bibles, uh, church planting ministries. Uh, one of our missionaries is doing a great work with uh, prison ministries in Saskatchewan. And aviation support, helping those missionaries in more isolated places. And then Brother Marowelli with the Bible translation work. And then one of our own founding pastor, uh, Dr. Thiessen, uh, he's involved with ministering and helping churches. And even today, he's in British Columbia uh, and preaching out there for a few weeks, helping churches and missions conference and things. And I'm so excited about what the Lord has allowed us as our church family to have for a missionary family. I'm going to be honest, I'd like to see it grow more. I'd like to have more missionaries and to encourage folks in different places. And, and we've seen countless people get saved, new Bible studies, uh, looking towards new church starts as well. But we've met, I mean, that's the spiritual side, and that's definitely very important, most important. But we've helped with some physical needs as well. Uh, we've uh, sent hundreds of classes to uh, medical missions outreach. Uh, the box that we have out there, old glasses that you don't use anymore. Uh, maybe uh, your eyes are getting worse or... Praise the Lord, you've been miraculously healed and you have great vision again. Uh, throw those glasses in there and we send them off to them. Uh, and they're, they're based in Maryland. And they bring them to uh, third and second world countries uh, that don't have much for health care. And they give them out for free. Uh, Brother Edmondson actually told me that this is a great need, uh, that they are struggling to get glasses. And I think we sent over 300, 400 glasses to them now. And praise the Lord that we're able to help them uh, with that. Uh, we sent barrels of clothes to the Philippines. We're looking to do that again. Uh, so the idea is that we're, we're assisting, we're helping. I believe missions conference time or missions emphasis, whatever word you want to use, is one of the most important times for the church on the church calendar. Now you might ask, why do I think that? I'm so glad you asked why. All right. I'm going to give you some reasons why I think it's very important. It's very good. First of all, to see the Great Commission come alive. To see the Great Commission come alive. Uh, during our month of missions, we'll have different missionaries in our pulpit. They're going to tell us about the needs that they are, have or the, the struggles they have and maybe the victories they've seen. And it's only going to help us understand they need support. They need our prayer support. They need, I mean, these ones who are here, the financial support as well. And, and just to connect with them. And so the newer Christians or folks who are newer to our church can see what Legacy Baptist Church is about with missions. Oh, this is, this is our emphasis. This, we want to see this happen. It's a big picture of the Great Commission. And as seasoned Christians, maybe you've been here for a long time and you've been to many missions conferences and emphasis and you know all about it. But the idea is just a reminder. Don't you need to be reminded? I'm going to tell you, I need to be reminded all the time about different things. I think it just does us a world of favors, a world of encouragement to be reminded of the needs that are out there. I'm praying that some from our church uh, will be called of God. They will listen to the Lord's call and go wherever He wants them to go. In Toronto, one city block away from us needs a lot more gospel-preaching churches. Churches like ours. So, uh, London, England. You know, one time England was a major force of sending out missionaries. 
And you read anything about missionary history, and you would see that hundreds of missionaries left England to go around the world to reach folks with the gospel of Jesus Christ. London, England today has 9 million people living within its boundaries. There might be six independent Baptist churches like ours. It's a massive need. When I was over there last year, I wasn't in England, but in Europe, I was able to talk to some individuals and they were telling me about the needs in so many cities. Some cities, hundreds of thousands of people and they're not aware of any gospel preaching church. I mean, just the need is massive. Uh, the reality is that the harvest is there. We need to be praying for laborers. So to see the Great Commission come alive, uh, sometimes we can put it in the back of our minds, we forget about it. But a renewal, think about it uh, again. To develop relationships with our missionaries. I think one of the greatest things about being an independent Baptist church is that uh, we get to, uh, it's not a denominational-based missions group. We get to get to know our missionaries. It's just not the ones who get some, sent from our church. But all kinds of missionaries come through our doors. And that's encouraging. It's an a example of Acts 13 where Paul goes from church to church telling them what was going on in his missionary journeys. It's absolutely biblical and it's a wonderful thing and allows us to get to know our missionaries. Develop those uh, friendships. And in our day of instant communication, it's a great way for you to get connected with a missionary to encourage them. Because I assure you, they get discouraged. They're no different than anybody else in this room. Now they, every one of us face discouragements and so do they. But theirs is maybe exaggerated even a little bit more because they don't have family live close by and they're living in a different culture. They're far from anything that's normal to them and maybe the culture they're in is very dark spiritually. They, they're one of the few lights in their community, uh, in their city. So it's even greater. Just develop those relationships with those missionaries and learn of their needs. Pray for them. Folks, there's challenges in every field. There's no field that has no challenges. And both domestically and foreign, every one of them have uh, challenges to encourage our missionaries. Now, the Krogers are the only folks who are coming to our church uh, who are on deputation. Uh, we already support Bianchi's. Bianchi's been in Toronto for a while. Brother Mel Rowley, I think he still might be raising some support, but he, he does a lot more with the Bible translation and, and, and informing people of the need. Uh, but the Krogers are going to be with us. Uh, and deputation. Let me just get rid of some myths here. Deputation is not vacation. Okay? Uh, I'll give you an example. So we went on deputation, me and my wife, and Emily. All right? Emily was just like a year and a half, two years old. Uh, and uh, we went on deputation. We drove from Newfoundland all the way to Vancouver and back again. Okay? And uh, about, about a year of, of uh, deputation. And uh, so who likes their car here or van? Do you like your vehicle? Do you be honest? you like it? Yeah. Okay. Would you like to live in it 60% of your time? Because that's, well, I might be exaggerating made by a few percentages, uh, but you spend a lot of time in your car. Like when we went on vacation, after the first day of driving, no one wanted to get back in the car. I mean, I had to pretty much grab them and throw them in the car. Get in the car. we got to get somewhere warmer. You know, come on. Uh, so the idea of deputation, they're driving everywhere. They get meetings. I mean, sometimes they fly, but a lot of it's driving. Uh, and, you know, that missionary, I mean, they're informing us of the field, so we get to pray for them and get to know them, but they really desire support too, right? Let's just be really honest about it. And, and you know, he wants to make... Him and the wife want to make, and the, you know, the kids don't know what's going on, but him and the wife want to make a great impression upon the pastor and, and the f- church family. Well, I mean, if they pull up and they just drove for seven hours, 
my kid wants to be on their best behavior. You know, after I'm in the car for seven hours, I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, I'm going to my private place, my quiet place, my safe place, whatever. You know, whatever the case is. Uh, the reality is those kids get out of the car and they want to go bananas. You know, and then you can see the grip of the father upon the shoulder, kids squirming. You know, hey, we want to be an encouragement to missionaries, amen? That's what our church needs to be. That's what I desire for our church to be. To be understanding, to be caring, to love them. And when, and whenever someone says, Legacy Baptist Church missionaries say, that's an encouraging church. And we, we had the opportunity to go to a couple different churches in Florida. And I'll be honest, I was impressed on how friendly they were. All kinds of people came shake, shook our hands. And one pastor even figured out I was a pastor before I said I was a pastor. Uh, we were in this little church in Kissimmee. And uh, I walked in, and the guy comes over, shakes my hand, and says, so you're the pastor? I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking what one of my family members told him. And I said, can you pray for us this morning? I went and prayed for him and things, no problem. Then after service, we're eating lunch. I said, so which one of you guys told the guy I was a pastor? And they all looked at me like, we didn't tell him. He just figured it out. You know, so the reality is uh, just to be encouraging church. It was encouraging to shake all those folks' hands. I might not meet any of them again till heaven. The idea is to be an encouragement, to encourage them along the way. Missionaries need that encouragement. Absolutely need that encouragement. To renew our giving commitments for world evangelism. That's another reason why we have this emphasis, uh, this time to think about it. Now, some people get really anxious when there's preaching about money. They kind of look around. What's happening now? What's going on? Listen, giving to missions is an investment, folks. Investment in lives that you will not get to meet until heaven. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm thrilled with the giving of our church to missions. I am. I'm excited about it. Uh, we've given a lot of money this past year to missions and uh, years previous. And I'll be honest with you. I hope we do more in 2020 than we did in 2019. That means we get to support more missionaries if we can give more. It's just as simple as that. Uh, and our our whole giving philosophy of missions is through uh, faith promise uh, missions uh, giving. And, and so we take those commitments. We see what happens for a little while and say, okay, we can take on some more. And no, this is all we can do for right now. And it's fine. Whatever it is, it is. But the reality is we just see so many people who need Jesus Christ. It's a biblical plan. I'm not going to read you all the verses uh, from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But these two chapters, I know you've heard them preached here if you've been here for very long uh, about giving, missions giving, uh, and this this offering that's talked about in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 uh, was an offering to be given to other churches. So it's a missions offering. It wasn't for the church in Corinth. It's missions to be given away. And God has developed a plan for us that we see in these chapters to help with missions. Uh, Paul points out that everyone should give. Every man has a purpose in his heart, to, so let him give. Second Corinthians 9.17 He makes it clear that it's an offering by grace. It's not forced. And it's not forced. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence, and in love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. It's not something we have to do. There will no one in our church come to say, you have to give to missions. But uh, my question is, why would you not want to give to missions? Why would you not want to see people reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ? He tells the believers that it's good for the giver. This is expedient for you. 
Now, that's not a word that we use a lot. Expedient. Uh, the word means be better for profitable, be good. Now, that sounds like an excellent thing to be involved with. Something that's expedient, that's profitable, that's better for you, that's good for you to be involved with. And God promises uh, in the same chapters here, the, 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 the bless those who give. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.6 Second uh, Corinthians 9, 7 says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, there's lots of other verses there I could talk about, but I'm just trying to hit the high points to help you understand where I'm coming from and why we have missions emphasis and why we have this time set apart. You know, we need to give. And let me encourage you, in a, in a few weeks you'll get some faith promise commitment cards. You, no one's going to ever come to you and ask for you to, how much to put in or anything. That's between you and the Lord. Pray about it. Start praying about it right now. There's absolutely nothing wrong to pray about that. Lord, what would you have me give towards uh, missions this year? You know, I just take it and pray about it. And at the end of the month, I slip it in the offering plate. We're not going to get up here and name them off or anything. We'll just gather them up. Just helps us budget for the next year. Know what's coming in and what's committed. And we'll watch. And, and, and then that just helps us support missionaries and ministries. Now, it's a very effective plan. You know, this, this method, that money goes to missions. That's where it goes. That's given the faith promise missions. It goes to missions, helping missionaries, uh, encouraging missionaries. Uh, it doesn't come out of our regular budget. Uh, you know, in a little while we'll have a business meeting, uh, and our regular giving was over $300,000 this year. Praise the Lord for that. But you know, not one cent of the regular giving went to missions. All our faith promise was given, and I believe that was over $100,000 to faith promise to missionaries. That's wonderful. Imagine if we didn't have faith promise, we wouldn't be able to give very much to missions, would we? We wouldn't be able to give very much at all. I mean, all that money I just referred to, the 300000 that is all taking care of uh, ministries, uh, you know, uh, taking care of the building, taking care of uh, salaries, whatever, so forth. you got to pay for the lights, right? You know, it, it's all part of it. So the reality is this helps us get the gospel out, helps us get the good news out to those who need to hear it. It's good for the giver. It's good for the world, worldwide cause of evangelism. You know, and probably the greatest benefit of faith missions giving, grace giving, is that you, it teaches us to trust the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It works in any geographical location. doesn't matter about the economic situation that you're in. It works. Give and it shall be given unto you. Luke 6, 38. God's plan is for to give the missions to the local church and to see that go forward. And again, it's an investment. It's an investment. People have reached, and you don't know where the gospel will go from them to maybe some uh, missionary we have in Africa will reach someone and they'll go to some remote tribe. We don't even know about it right now. And they'll tell them about Jesus Christ and people get saved. That's an investment. That's an investment in lives and seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. Not because I have a desire, a desire or a gift, but because I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Philippians 4.17. That's what Paul was encouraging. Now, not, it's not, not a gift. I want, I want fruit to abound to your account. It's not for me. It's for the cause of Jesus Christ. And the Great Commission, and I'll, I'll preach about this more next week, I'm just going to touch on it real quick here, is the mission of the local church. No one else has that commission. It's the local church commission. It's been given to us by God. And as Christians, as a local church, you know, we should be looking at that as a top priority. This is something we need to be doing. This is what we should be part of our DNA, shall we say, of who we are. 
We need to be doing this. Uh, and we need to be active. And it's just not uh, sending missionaries. I mean, we need to be doing that. Absolutely. But it's, it's us reaching our next door neighbor too. That's missions in, this, in the essence that we're reaching people for Jesus Christ. You know, we need to be reaching out and telling others about Jesus Christ. And obviously around the world as well, we need to be reaching those people by sending out missionaries. So you ever think, well, why is it that there's so many places that haven't heard the gospel preached yet? Why is it? Why are so many people who haven't heard of Jesus? No, I mean, that, that, those reasons I gave you are great reasons for us to have missions emphasis. But why is, why is there a lack of laborers? Why? Why, why have we haven't reached the world? Now, I understand with the day and age that we have internet and, uh, you know, mass media and things, you know, a lot of people can hear without a physical person being there. But obviously, a, a servant in that community, that town is the best. But the reality is, why haven't they all been reached? I think, first of all, the reason is disobedience. Disobedience. It is truly amazing how we can call Jesus our Savior and then so easily choose to disobey Him. I mean, I can remember when I was in Bible college, I fought against this whole idea of being a pastor and being a church planter. That's what I first did when I got into ministry. I fought against it. No, I don't want to do it. I'm glad I finally submitted to what the Lord called me to do. I believe the Lord is calling, but believers are not being obedient uh, to that call. I just recently had a phone call from another pastor here in southern Ontario, and he was opening up his heart to me about how, wh- where are the laborers? Wh- why, are, why are people not listening to God's call? Is God done calling people? That's what he actually said to me on the phone. I said, no, I don't think so. I think God's still calling people. And, and the reality is there's so many who just say, no, I won't. I won't do what I'm supposed to do. Well, we need to be active in reaching this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to tell others about it. And again, just not in the foreign missions field. It's, it's home too, domestic, right where we are at. We need to be telling others. I think another area that really is affecting the whole call is selfishness. Selfishness. Uh, there is an unprecedented spirit of selfishness in our world today. It's all about me. And, and this comes at the cost of worldwide missions. Okay. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this before in, in my preaching uh, about Christian parents. I've witnessed, and, and it's definitely just not myself. I've talked to other ministers about it as well, other pastors, Bible college professors and things. And, and there's so many Christian parents who are are hoping, if they're not hoping, then they're encouraging their children not to go into the mission field, not to be in the ministry. That's horrible. That's so sad. And listen, listen, young people catch on to that pretty quick. They're very perceptive. They, they know what's going on and they catch on to that spirit really quick and they, they think, well, I'm adapting to the spiritual climate I'm in. My parents don't want to do it, so I'm not even going to think about it. I'm going to stay away from that kind of stuff. Now, I'm so thankful to the Lord that young people are still surrendering to the ministry. But I'm going to tell you that we need a lot more. We need a lot more. Uh, And I encourage you as parents, maybe you're not a parent, but maybe you're a young adult or uh, maybe you, you never had kids. Hey, listen, encourage everybody to surrender to the call of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is. 
And it doesn't matter your age. The idea is just to be surrendered. Lord, what would you have me to do? Let me do it. Now, the enemy of selfishness has always been found. You know where it's found, right? It's in our hearts. It's all about us. That's selfishness. It's about me. And uh, if the Lord doesn't have your heart, He won't have anything, will He? Let's be honest. Uh, if you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, He has all parts of you. He should, if you give Him your whole heart. But if you're holding stuff back, you're not giving this whole heart to Him. So He's not going to do. You're not going to do what He wants you to do. Because you're holding back on some things. We, we need to release that selfishness. Let it go and love Jesus. That's what we need to do. Excuses. We can look for excuses. It's, it's really easy today to find excuses. And looking for excuses is way easier than doing what we're told to do, isn't it? We can come up with some pretty creative excuses. You know, some of the some of the excuses that are given today, I mean, I'm not going to go through them all, uh, are pretty laughable compared to what Paul went through, are they not? I mean, you think about Paul, and he talks about in Scripture about, you know, his beatings, uh, uh, shipwrecked, and, and, and beat up, and uh, whipped, and all this kind of thing. You know, I understand that some fields are dangerous compared to where we live. I understand that. They, they're not economically, maybe politically. Uh, they're not as secure. I get it. I understand it. But if that's where God wants you to go, you understand you're safer there than you are here. I believe that with all my heart. If you're in the center of God's will, that is the safest place for you. And wherever that is, that's the safest place. Uh, distance from home. Hey, I understand homesickness. I get it. Uh, but that's, that's not a, an excuse, a valid excuse not to go. Language barriers. Now, maybe for some people who can't learn languages, it would be a barrier. But the reality is, if God's called you, He's going to enable you. Amen? If God's called you to do something, He's going to enable you to do it. And some of these fields, people really don't want to hear the Gospel. It's tough. It's hard going. You know, isolation. You know, so you're in a place that's a a bit dangerous. Uh, You learn a new language. People aren't too sensitive to God's Word. And you're all by yourself. Those are, in your mind, great reasons not to go. But again, if God's called you, He'll provide. He'll watch over. Now, we need today in our churches men and women who overcome those excuses and say, we're going to trust the Lord by faith, watch Him provide, let let Him take care of us, lead our steps wherever they might go, and trust God to do it. And see Him provide. Apathy. Worse than excuse making is not even caring enough to make an excuse. I don't care. And we live in a day and age where people just don't care. And sadly, oh, I've seen that same kind of apathy easily infiltrate so many churches. Oh, okay, you go. I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm just doing my thing here. We're so much like the Laodicean church. We're neither hot nor cold. Whatever. There are too many Christians who don't care, or they don't seem to care. I mean, maybe they do, but they're having a real hard time showing it. We need to care. We need to obey God's instruction. 
I mean, lift up our eyes and look unto the harvest. They're white already to harvest. I mean, to be taken in. Well, that's from John 4.35. And the verse I already read for you in Matthew 9.38, Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. You know, too often we're not doing more for missions, not because we, we've done all we can, it's just we simply don't care. And on top of that, maybe it's there's something you care more about than missions. But just the idea of apathy, who cares? And another area that definitely does affect us is just a satanic opposition to missions. Satanic opposition. I mean, it, actually, this is all rooted in the same thing. That the enemy does not want to see the church of Christ go forward, right? Satan desires every church, every gospel preaching church. Actually, he wants false churches to thrive. But he does not want the true church to go forward. Okay? And he, he's, he's fighting against us. It's all the time. And uh, we're we at work. Or at, at work. We're laboring. We're fighting against this. And, and Satan fights against it with everything he has. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, a satanic opposition can come in all kinds of forms. Yeah, one, of the, one could be a governmental opposition, the nation, the leadership of that nation as opposed to Christianity. So they fight against it. I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago about some countries who are very hard against Christianity and, and, and killing and martyring Christians. Uh, another form of this satanic opposition is perverted doctrine. Now, that false church, uh, the church that does not preach salvation, uh, they have all the trimmings and they have a building, they look like a church, they might even sing the hymns, but they do not preach the Word of God. Now, uh, pride. You know, that's, that's Satan. He's, a, he's proud, right? He, he's the father of lies. He's pride and that gets in and that opposes. Uh, even assaults against Christians uh, in, in, in their efforts of spreading gospel, even from other Christians. I mean, it's sad to say to see that happen, but it's all the work of Satan and his opposition to the gospel. I understand not everything is the work of Satan in the sense that Satan made me do it. We are accountable for our decisions. Amen? Me, me and you, everybody in this church this morning and every person in this world this morning is accountable, but the reality is Satan comes against us, against the work of the gospel. He's busy fighting against the word but isn't Matthew 16, 18 wonderful? Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Read the end of the book and you see who wins. It's Jesus. Amen. He wins. We're not on the losing side. We might be in the minority, but we are on the winning side. We absolutely are. I can mention other enemies, things that stop missions, uh, Prayerlessness. We definitely have a problem with prayer and it's an enemy of missions. We need to be people of prayer. Laziness. That's pretty prevalent in our world today. Materialism. In our Western world is a massive issue for Christians. It's a very tantalizing thing and, oh, if I do that, if I go there, I won't have that. You know, the reality is just do what the Lord tells you to do. You know, prejudice is still alive and well today. It's another enemy of the cross. And there's many, many more. And we need to make sure that 
we are not being overtaken by these things, things I mentioned, things I have not mentioned. We are not overtaken. They don't become obstacles in us going forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why this month, the Legacy Baptist Church will focus on the needs of reaching the lost, both here domestically and abroad. There's a lot of people who need to know about Jesus Christ. A lot. Uh, this past uh, vacation, we were driving back. I was going through South Carolina, and I got off on a rural road. On, by, on purpose, it wasn't an accident. I didn't get lost. I was following the map and things. And within 20 minutes, I saw, I don't know, six or seven Baptist churches. And, I mean, we're talking rural. This wasn't anywhere, no big population groups around, just rural South Carolina and all kinds of churches. And they had, you know, God, you know, Jesus saves, hear the gospel, the good news, all on their boards, you know, in the front of, the, uh, of their churches and things. I was like, well, that's wonderful. And as I was driving, I was thinking, well, I can think of about 20 more churches in Canada need a pastor right now. Now, these five churches are preaching. I hope they're preaching the gospel. I didn't check every one of them out. But the need is massive. It's massive. And there's so many needs. And we can get overcome with it. But the reality is we're told in Matthew chapter 9 to pray for laborers. Let me encourage you to pray for laborers. Let's do that. Let's make Christ's great commission seriously. Let's take it seriously. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature.